What do you get with a $100 million renaissance? A timeless hideaway in the heart of Death Valley National Park. Now better than ever. Visit Oasis at DeathValley.com. As queen of the carpool, cruise control is the only control you've had for a long time. Instead of kicking back, your back is constantly being kicked. With the endless traffic, walnut-sized bladders, and snack mom politics, nobody is more eager to know the answer to the constant chorus of, Are we there yet? Sounds like it's time for your victory lap in Las Vegas. You can bring your kids to Vegas, but why would you? Plan your escape at visitlasvegas.com. I know now what I want to say in my intro for my podcast. I'm going to start with a warning to other creatives. Create like it's your last podcast, last graphic, last painting, last blog post. There's so many forces out there that want us to be bland, and that is not possible with this fro. I have too many thoughts about celebrating us, reading what I want to read, pointing out donkeys, what links us together and shouldn't tear us apart. I'll also give you bonus content through 10 Froze Bar on my Patreon and if you become a melanated nerd. I also will share content about getting the real tea on reality TV. Join me in this episode of 10 is beating for the wild ride. And thank you for listening. Sunday and I get to enjoy and sit back on a pretty dope day and I'm pretty happy for multiple reasons. Number one, I went to watch The Little Mermaid and if I were a racist, I would be really mad that this movie was just so well made down to the genuine feeling between the characters, down to um, the above ground um, or land lovers with Ariel and Eric to just how beautifully shot and executed the underwater scenes were. Even with the horrible Caribbean accent from um, the the crab paying Sebastian, and I keep ha- you got people got to remind themselves y'all taking it this way too serious because it's not all that serious. It's all make believe. Like for example, a lot of the racists were mad that Ariel's black, and again I say, um, guess what? Mermaid don't exist. Therefore, a bad accent having Jamaican talking or Caribbean accented crab, a talking crab doesn't exist. And if you can hear the crab talking, they need to adjust your meds or put you on some better meds. I'm just saying. But 
I, I went to the 1230 show and I wanted to make sure it wasn't too late, but I got up early and the longer I stayed up, the more stuff I kept cooking. I'll probably be talking about this in um, Tim Fro's bar, the jollof rice I got and made this morning um, to the braised uh, short ribs that I'm going to probably, that I need to actually put on the cassava root to let it soak up and that uh, good beefy goodness. It's just been a really dope day, a dope Sunday. You know what I mean? Relaxed. It's probably gonna rain later. I'm gonna have to, as soon as I finish recording this section, um, I'm gonna have to unplug my RV. That's the other thing. I got up and did a whole bunch of stuff. Fold the towels. I'm getting ready to put those away. I'm getting ready, I had to plug in my RV to retract um, all of the, the jacks in the back and to pull in the side outs. And, and I get to talk about having an RV and side outs and planning my next big adventure. I don't think my nerves are good enough to go to Lake Lanier, but I'll probably check out Alatoona or just go to um, Harrison Bay. You know, all of these lakes have a story of trauma and our watery graveyards. And it's really wild that I just went to see the Little Mermaid, but I'm just saying. Anyways, I'm also happy that just over the past week, I've had some almost 10,000 downloads. Um, I'm well on my way to 300,000 downloads. I'm gonna keep pounding and keep focus. Just yesterday, 12, almost 1,200. It's just amazing. Um, everybody seems to be digging the podcast. I'm looking forward to having bigger inserts of dynamic ads. Y'all better get on in Podbean. Uh, Matt, shout out to Primordial Sound Archives for editing and basically allowing me to create dope content and then edit it for everyone from Kansas City Louisiana, Alabama, Minnesota, and Kentucky. I appreciate y'all listening. Arkansas, Hawaii, DC. It's just really dope that everybody over the country and several around the world, Australia and Germany, even Malaysia, South Africa. I hope for one day to have more downloads to South Africa. Um, but it all has to do with uh, being in the, the rotation, putting out content that matters to that group of people and just being in the moment and being able to create. It's just been a blessing and I'm hopeful my joy in creating this content is basically comes through the, to the listening audience. And again, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Um, and that's all I got to say about that. Just blessed and thankful. Hashtag thankful. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading tin
It's in a book. A reading tin frog. A reading tin frog. Tin frog. Now, welcome to this segment of the show. Tim Fro is reading band edition. Um, and of course, I'm highlighting one of the most banned authors and the most banned book in America at this time, George M. Johnson's book, All Boys Aren't Blue, a memoir manifesto. Um, I can't remember where I, what I was watching when this was highlighted. Um, and of course, this gentleman, the book has been optioned by Gabrielle Union and uh, for TV by Gabrielle Union and her uh, production company, which is pretty dope. He's non-binary uh, writer, author, activist, located in NYC. The manifesto itself is his several essays coming of age as a young queer uh, African-American in the New Jersey area. They, because he is non-binary, has written for major and niche media outlets like Teen Vogue, ET, The Root, BuzzFeed, Ebony, Essence, Them, and The Griot. He has 80,000 engaged followers on Twitter. And now finally I'm one and he continues to speak and support various issues facing the LGBTQ community from civil rights and leaders to politicians. The book itself is fascinating in that it, it, it is one of, those, um, one of those books that in itself is just amazing. Um, I, I'm going to read some parts of this in part because he has several, uh, it's really reads like, it's many stories in this book and he uses some slurs uh, and references that he's grown up with. But he warns us, if you don't identify, if you're not black or queer, don't use the slurs in full because it could be harmful to people. And it's really hard for him to basically establish who and what you are as normal when you live in a society that wants you to suppress your differences and who, out, who fall outside of societal norms. He actually has had some really tragic and have been in some abusive situations. He was five years old when his teeth was kicked out by a bully and being surrounded by family. The next day, the uncles and the, uh, the oldest boy went back and beat down the bully and his dad. And they fought, got suspended. Luckily, they didn't get kicked out permanently. But it's hard to conceptualize. And it you know, brings me back to black, black flight. Uh, black fit is so prominent because you can have money, 
family love and support, but the society at large seems to be intent on killing us. And if you are, and if you figure into that being queer, how dangerous it is to walk around as black. Um, some of the direct quotes, which I can't read because of issues with copyright, um, will be um, in the extended, extended podcast notes. But I hope just my, my beginning in talking about this will encourage you to read the collection of essays in their entirety. Please navigate to my Dale's Angels Inc. homepage blog um, if because you can buy it directly from Amazon um, at a discount. Or you can navigate to Far From Bill Street Books and you can order it. And I will, again, get credit uh, from my online bookstore if you order it there. It's one of those great books that you got to read, you got to support, because as I said, it's probably one of the most banned books in America because it discusses race and racism and, and especially it talks about the LGBTQ community and with this conservative backlash, it's getting pulled from curriculum, it's getting pulled from libraries. And you just gotta read it. And try to read it even in spite of a little crazy little dog is going crazy. <laughs> That's Ethel joining the podcast show. Are you a veteran or service member struggling with post-traumatic stress, anxiety, or depression? Hi, I'm John Wayne Troxel, former senior enlisted advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, retired. I want you to know that Emory Healthcare Veterans Program offers help and hope. Emory's free and confidential treatment is available for all eligible service members and post 9-11 veterans living anywhere in the United States. Visit emoryhealthcare.org vets. Really the goal of all vaccines is to educate our immune system on what to do if you see the real germ, if the immune system sees the real germ. It's a fire drill for your immune system. Vaccines matter more than ever, and knowing the facts is just as important. In Vax Matters, we get answers straight from the experts. Whether you want to know if vaccines really can affect fertility or if they can give you the disease they prevent, start listening today. UMass Amherst is a campus of champions in our classrooms and on our fields, courts, and rinks. When you step onto the campus of the number one public research university in New England, you are walking along the footsteps of graduates who have made a difference, both in our state and beyond. Awarding more undergraduate STEM degrees than any other Massachusetts university, public or private, contributes to the innovation, research, and development necessary to move the state forward. The University of Massachusetts Amherst, be revolutionary. So what's the dealio? What's going on in the zeitgeist? What's going on in the pop culture of it all? I stopped doing um, side-eye sidebar for a reason. Um, I didn't want to basically focus on negativity, but sometimes it's just hard to not avoid it. And I'm going to have to reinstitute it because people are doing donkey ass shit. In case in point, what is going on? And before I even get on with the fussing, I don't understand what is going on with the Supreme Court. Ever since Ginsburg passed away, 
ever since that twisted to pay chump put those radical right wingers on the superior court it sounds and it feels as if we are living in the age of Clarence Thomas and we are in just a really bad uh, misogynistic Uncle Tom wet dream that I want America to wake up from. I am so over reversal of everything that means anything to our people. And we are living in the sunken place. We're being forced to live in the sunken place with Clarence Thomas. I don't get it. I guess anybody with the name of Clarence, we're going to have some issues with because I just can't, I can't understand the support and the rationale. The latest in the Supreme Court with the overturn of affirmative action, Roe v. Wade, these are some of the things, the legislation that made us truly progressive in America, and we're seeing a reversal of all of these things. It's like even from the highest court in the land, we are devolving into one big fascist state of America. And we got people willing, like this Edward Blum, that really think by you basically taking race consideration outside of from uh, college admissions, that people are going to do the right thing. They didn't do right things for 300 years. Why do you think when you got, when the feds get involved and you force them to not consider it, it's just like there's something bad about that. You think people are going to do the right thing. Newsflash, Mr. Blum. No, they ain't going to do the right thing. Some of these corporations are not going to do the right thing because nobody's going to tell them to do the right thing. We fought a whole war. It took another 50, almost 100 years for us to basically get the rights of the war, partial of the war and recognition. And we're still fighting, but y'all are still taking away the tools that install that will instill that will instill it um, for us to be truly equal. Even with these safeguards, we still are not equal. We tried it uh, separate but equal. None of that shit is equal. And no, and we also know when left to our own devices, we're going to swing to the extreme of the right and institute the very laws, reinstitute the very laws. Jim Crow, apartheid, American apartheid, that we said we would never do because we are allowing things, because when you don't allow, we don't for, sometimes you got to force people to do the right thing. Some laws will actually do that. And that's what I think of affirmative action did. And now all of these people, these idealists, these real legal idealists, they really think when you take that away that you basically are going to be evaluated just on your merit. Not necessarily, because even that would infer that people actually don't have racial bias, that don't have uh, uh, whole, uh, that don't really believe in equality for all that are not going to act upon those uh, references.
that don't think about one race's superiority of another. That would, if you had this true legal purity, if it really exists, those other negative things wouldn't exist. And because we know those things, other things really exist, when you take your foot off the gas and you basically uh, don't make people do right, people ain't gonna do right. So I'm just, that's just me. If there's no rule in, in, in instituted that makes it illegal for you to be stupid, when you take the rule away, that it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And that's why the reversal of affirmative action and taking that out of college admissions means, means absolutely nothing. The only people that are going to possibly get a boom for that is the HBCUs. And there you go. And there was there should have always been a boom because it's really great being around other in a facility that or in an institution that wants you to do well. People look like you do and they get it. Without it having to be a really a superiority, it's just like we are really, truly all great and I'm going to help you be great. That's what the HBCUs, those are the only um, institutions that are going to benefit from the reversal of affirmative action. These other institutions of higher learning, they're going to go back to their old ways, go back to their monolithic representation on campus and be just as horrible as they've been for 100 years. And it's going to take us probably 100 years to reverse all this conservative BS. And that's just me fussing in my living room. Um, in other more happier news, this is the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Uh, BET Awards was a thing. And this is a, probably the first time I've actually watched more than clips on YouTube. I absolutely got my life getting my dance on or thinking I was getting my dance on as I was sitting and grooving and doing the wop and the prep in my seat. And my dog was actually, I believe if a chihuahua could laugh, Ethel was laughing at me. Buster Rhyme still proves that he got it. I, I did not know how massive his body of work was. It was just a really good time. If you have a chance to, I would actually uh, pull some of the clips up on YouTube. Uh, now me knowing all of the words to rap, partial of all the words to rapper's delight was crazy, but it was a lot of fun. Also, this past week or so was Essence Fest. The biggest controversy was India Irie uh, showing how much of an auntie she was. And I'm going to basically, she basically made some really uh, auntie-ish comments on Meg Thee Stallion and Janae Monet. Read it in part her comments. The issue is what is context. She wrote, Humanity does everything, but does everything belong in a stage? Should have been on a stage, whatever. No. Is everything for kids? No. Is everything for everybody? No. So when we as a culture make something like this mainstream, it shows a lack of discretion and discernment. To those in the comments who laugh at anyone who wants these things for culture, you certainly have that right. 
And I don't see, okay, let me, before I get to that, just as many folks have the right to want our mainstream international export of music to show us in a respectful light, I like to go on the record saying this won't age well and that's my issue. Okay, that is for you. Um, number. F Let's just take away the whole neo-soul play a hairism. That line, you knew who was going to be on the stage because I believe Essence published the set list. You also knew the time that they were going to be up there, it's, going, it's not going to be for kids. Let's start there. And you were not a part of that set. So you basically are side seat driving. Either you mad because it was streaming on Hulu and that's where you watched it, but you are not on, you probably, when the last time you performed at Essence, it wasn't being streamed on Hulu. Sorry, girl. The other part of that is the people that go to those shows expect and demand that. Meg is known for twerking. She got the thighs. She got the ass. She could throw it in a circle. And she has a bachelor's degree. But I digress. She could do all of that, be completely hood, completely ratchet. The people that show up, that's what they expect. If you don't want, if it was not for you, why did you watch it? She does not appear to be a part. You say you give love to her as an offhand uh, 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 comment, but you throw in respectability and what you're doing. You shouldn't, why do, this doesn't age well. Well, if that's not your type of music, who are you to say what, wh that what they should and should not be doing in their set? That is their right. They are the creation. They know their audience. Their audience wants to see that, and their audience will participate at that. If that's not your speed, turn shit off. It's just that simple. No, she's not a representative of a wheatgrass uh, wearing someone wrapped up in a shroud. That's if that's she's not for you. That music is not for you. You are TT. And this whole respectability and people not owning their sexuality, that's for it's not for our generation. I'm so sorry, girl. I can't agree with you because if you were leaning to respectability, they still would be, they gonna you still get what left by the wayside. You could have it, you can't have it both ways. Some people like Janae Monet back in the day. When she did dress in 50-piece suits, people still had something to say. And she still got an Oscar. She still has a, a rich and varied following. She still puts out great music, even though she's leaning into her sexuality at this point in her life. I say kudos. If you got it, flaunt it. If you can coordinate the ass tossing, go ahead and do it, girl, if that's your stick. Do I want to watch it all the time? No. So I don't watch it. But I'm not going to dictate what they're going to continue to do in later sets. That's not my stick. And India Ari, you need to go just shut up. 
go take, get some chamomile tea, go and listen to Calm, and use if that's the way that you get your life. But commenting on what this generation is doing now, um, and, and not and owning what they will do and will not do, and what they will show and how they will choose to dance, that's on them. You need to carry your little auntie butt at the Whole Foods, get your chakras straightened out, and keep it pushing. And that's all I got to say on the end of pop culture. I didn't mean to read India Irie, but she needed to be read and told by another uh, old person to go sit down somewhere. So. The Shady Bunch, the Shady Bunch. I hope turning up for checks to pay for fake lifestyles were to be a part of the Shady Bunch. I firmly believe there was a reason why some of these OGs were put on pause um, if they hadn't been out and out fired. Um, and this is just me, Real Housewives of Atlanta, um, realness. I would have thought that like Faithful Parks, who looks really sick now, have y'all or just overdone? She looks like a underground animal. Uh, I felt bad for her look, youngest son, who looks exactly like her, but she really likes looks like an overdone quad from Married to Medicine. Uh, and at look at Quad, and I've seen Quad. Uh, there's been like some cross mixing of some of these shows, but she, I don't think, was necessarily fired. I think she just was paused for a minute because she came back in the Ultimate Girls Trip, uh, and she has been back at BravoCon enough to shade the Real Housewives, I think it was Dubai. Whatever happened to that? And maybe it just never got all of the views, even though the um, fashion was sick, but maybe it was just too expensive to actually um, continue to produce. And that British accent, Kim Zosiak wannabe. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, that couldn't have come back because they were awful. But anyways, when you get fired, really fired, you go away forever and they don't bring you back on an iteration. And in spite of her lying tendencies and her fakery, uh, Phaedra Parks came back in some other iteration. But if we look at the other OGs that went on pause for a minute, that should have remained on pause, Sherry uh, White, a.k.a. Sheree, MF, and Whitfield should have remained on pause. I think she's like one of those people that is has a heightened, she has a delusional sense 
of her own self-importance and her own smartness that when she does get played, she gets mean. She's the one. That's why it took her 15 years to get, you know, it took her 13 years to even get sweatpants released from Sheba Sheree. And then it's going to take her even more to keep, be able to get the team together that she's going to have to realize that she's going to have to pay to even get it out there. Because nobody ain't going to pay $600 for a damn t-shirt. Just saying. And she's going to continue to get played because she's going to try to cut corners and not pay anybody and cheap out on things knowing that she could potentially get paid. And people are going to get sick of that. And they keep asking, uh, what's his name? Andy keeps asking her, what has she had done? She has resting bitch face. I know black don't crack, but also Botox does a body good. So yes, she has had some work. She's never going to admit it, but it's obvious that she has. I also believe that Nene is on a pause for a reason because she's emotionally unstable. I don't, I am not, I am a physician, but I'm not a psychiatrist. But she has tendencies to, as long as you can have fun with her and you let her and support her and don't criticize her, she's cool. But once it gets real and she goes over the edge, because she's not able to, number one, self-regulate, and number one, take criticism, she is always a ticking time bomb. The issue is that she actually is talented, but she's not delusional Karen Huger talented, but she's not escape Candy Burris talented. So it'll be interesting if Bravo and Real Wife Housewife of Atlanta figures out how to bring her back because she's been a big part of the show for a, a, a lot of the time. But when her energy's off, it basically, if it's left unchecked or not balanced, it throws off the entire energy of the whole set. We've seen that from when she was first put on pause uh, right after Portia um, dragged Kenya. Um, and then she was off for like two of those um, seasons. I think it was like eight and nine or seven and eight. Yeah, she's going, if she comes back, she's going to need to be on better meds and intense psychotherapy. Just saying. Kim Zolciak, I completely agree with Nene, though. She's a dirty monkey in a wig. That was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. I love it. I don't think she has a place or, or the franchise doesn't need her mess or her brand of white trash mess. I think she has uh, her kids are spoiled and they and especially the especially one of the oldest girls that Brielle is exactly like her. She's also trash, just like her mama's trash. And they don't really need that level of baseness on the show. She's reality TV gold, but she doesn't need to be bringing down the uh, but we don't they don't need white trash to bring down. Um, the franchise any further than it really is. 
if they don't need Captain Save a Ho white bitch. I'm just saying. They don't need another Karen. She's got plenty of Karens. She could remain a friend of the show, but does she need to regain a peach? Nope. And because if they're not going to just bring her on as a friend of the show, and she still need to be on pause. She does not need any full time. Just like Phaedra Park. She's a liar. She's built a man gone wrong. And she's fake religiosity that makes it bad for real Christians. So, no, she needs to remain on pause. Cynthia Bailey is shockingly stupid. I, she's just vapid. And she's smart enough, but I'm not, I'll give her this. She's smarter than the average bear because she also knows that she's not that intelligent and she's been blessed to be and know that she has to have true business-minded people with some damn sense to surround herself with and to manage and to build her brand. But if she were to do it on her own, she doesn't have the sense that God gave a flea. So, and she's also a flip-flopper and she's nice nasty and she can't really hide it um, too long um, because it shows and it shows just like most of these women when they're frustrated and when they can't pretend anymore. Kenya Moore has been problematic from the beginning. Uh, she really could have played the witch um, in Little Mermaid. Um, she hasn't really been right since Velvet's death. I like her new dog, Squirrel and King, but Velvet was the bomb. She's always like, I don't understand why people don't like me. I really want them to like me, but I want them to like me on my own terms. And then once they don't like me and they feel like I'm being fake and they respond negatively, then she flips on them. She's just as bad as Mimi and Marlo. She has that hidden marriage and then had to hide the fact that he was just as horrible as her own father. And the young pictures of her father, now I don't really know how she, she has his eyes. Um, she is a younger version and the female version of her asshole of a father. Um, and she basically ran back to Detroit and to the abusive neighbor and because she wouldn't play ball like he would. The same thing. And she's been chasing this all of her life. It's wild to me. And she's so intense, but she still be evasive and she's completely unstable. She really needs to be in deep psychological therapy. And it's ongoing. And it's not like something that she... Uh, can go into remission, she's always going to need maintenance therapy. She's very good at provoking negative responses. She's like what Matt said. She's manipulative and fundamentally deceptive. And she basically accused Phaedra of a kid, a bully on a playground that throws rocks and hot there. She's kind of like that too. And she's really obvious. And then she trips out that her beautiful looks and those green eyes are going to get her a pass. And it doesn't work. And then that's when she gets meaner and madder. And she flips out. Just like Phaedra. Just like Sheree. Just like Mimi. They're all unstable. All dramatic. 
and they just can't get a pass because of their beauty. Let's see what. They all, and I say all of this to say, this group, like the Tamra Judge and the Phaedrus um, and the Charades, they always can be put on pause, and we're cool with that. And it's really, it's really awful that you think that you, basically you can use them to get the initial rating, but you're going to need concrete storylines and something else that is a little bit more of substance to actually keep the audience engaged. Because we don't really need clickbait all the time. We don't need somebody that's going to amp up all the time. And we don't need people that are willing to manufacture a storyline in order to remain engaged. Hate watching will only get you too far. I want them, it would be better if, like Kenya, we could see the development of her beauty empire because that would make sense. And if she would just lean into her villainhood and stop trying to get us to see her to be so positive, she just needs to be the messy villain that she is, and we're okay. And I don't think she's misunderstood. I think we understand her completely. She's a villain. She just needs to own it. If you're going to get to uh, the top that she definitely it will probably get to. She only gets sidetracked when she has to ex when it, she tries to hold it back, and then she explodes on the scene. We want to see more from Kale do if it's real or if it's not. He seems to be a lot nicer. And if he's able to basically either be filmed and stay in the background without having to destroy her like Mark Daly did, then we're all Gucci. She needs to hitch herself to somebody, to the right wagon. And it would be great if this was the right wagon. Also, what is, if he gives up, uh, what is it called? Uh, rights to those embryos and she really just wants to actually go through surrogacy in order to um, have the implant the rest of those kids I think that would be an interesting and only a Kenya Moore kind of existence how do will she be able to how was she, like Octomom, unfortunately, how was she actually progress uh, getting that process done where all of his rights are basically um, gone away because it's obviously he don't want to be with her and he don't want any um, access to any potential kids with her. But at the same time, what would her process be? Would she be able to have and be a mom to all of the kids that she actually would want, because that's what she wanted. She wanted a marriage or be in a relationship with someone, but primarily she wanted the kids to basically right the wrongs that were done to her by her uh, abusive family. I'm just saying that would be kind of dope. I would watch that versus the manufactured nonsense um, that is going on right now on the show. So I 
don't know how many of y'all or what you guys actually did over the holiday weekend, but as for a podcaster, um, I decided to just re-edit um, previous well-performing podcast uh, uh, recordings and re-release um, in addition to the same thing with the clips. So I've had a lot of time to not only re-watch some of my most favorite uh, podcast episodes, but also um, just to think about some of the characters, literally the characters that are on these reality TV shows. So that's when I came up with Real Housewives of Atlanta through the ages. It's over the last several weeks, I've rewatched several seasons. Um, some seasons I realized are better than others um, throughout the years. And it's crazy that this show is now in its 15th season. It's been out since 2008. Uh, Carlos King was just a lowly producer, then executive producer, and he was responsible uh, for some of the best seasons of this part of the franchise than ever. He's since moved on to uh, Love and Marriage, different cities, most newest iteration is Detroit, and I'm not sure how much I'm here for it, but it's just wild that all of these people are insane and they all are living some delusional dream where people uh, date, they get married and they have all these issues, but they're so messed up. And the drama that just comes in with the day to day is just so crazy to me. But I digress. Some of the best years had was made possible by the spouses. The years that Peter Thomas and Cynthia Bailey were married, when Greg, when Greg and Greg and Nene Leakes were first married, they divorced and then they got back together. He was that stalwart. OG kind of dude that everybody, you know, looked up to, but he had his own issues. Uh, evidently, he made and lost a bunch of money uh, during the real estate crash. The Nini got on the upswing, that became an issue. And then he had heart issues and then was diagnosed with pretty far advanced colon cancer. Um, not too long before he ended up passing away, which was sad. Um, the episodes when Apollo was convicted, um, the year he was convicted, um, and then he started serving his time, those two years were also some of the best seasons of Real Housewives of Atlanta because in spite of Phaedra Parks trying to keep up some appearances and doing all these great things for men and building up men, when her build a man was sent away to prison, why couldn't she have done that when he was out? It's like when he 
she basically did everything to, it seemed to Apollo that she accused Kenya of being or doing, and she was mad when he started refusing to play because he was about getting that money at all costs. And that's why he was, it was alleged that he was convicted or the complaint was 50 counts of fraud of, of per, like identity death, um, uh, identity theft. And I bet his uh, asset recovery, it was really legit initially until they started making up stealing people's identity and then probably then diverting the funds. So it probably was really a legit business until they were into making money faster instead of waiting the appropriate amount of time. And then there was um, Todd, this is Portia's love interest, an old milk gut head, hot dog man, Dennis. And then it looks like, because now of all the season nine, I'm going to basically go on record basically saying up to season nine was one of the best seasons of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Beyond the season, <laughs> when Portia dragged Kenny, they kept she was turned up like season five or whatever um, when Portia was still married to Cordell Stewart. They get divorced. Then Portia gets breast implants, cut her and, and better weave, starts her hair business and then goes off. Everything that Kenya was like, uh, you know, pushed up and fussing about, she basically uh, did it and dragged and she got dragged for it. The, what else? And then there's a whole bunch of seasons where Portia turns up, drags people, fights Kenya, fights Cynthia, lies about Peter sleeping around with his waitresses. None of it is true. Then fights Jamie, her, I think was her assistant slash publicist. I'm not sure. I think then Jamie goes to work for Candy because she shows up on later episodes. And then in the other episode when they went to South Carolina, I don't know if that's the last year that Carlos King was the producer of the show, but in itself it was pretty dope. Uh, when they just got real and they all let it hang loose. People that should have stayed. Then I get into some of the in most interesting times are when some of the friends of the show actually adds to the re unreality of it or the reality or the mess of it all, but they also stay in their lane. Like Shamia, when she was pussy popping in uh, Miami. Do you remember that? That was so awful and awesome at the same time. But I also didn't realize that Shamia may have been a baller's wife who abused her. She may have been a cheerleader, a real cheerleader. I'm not sure what professional team, but that explains her dance moves um, and her kicking body. 
but she was also messy, but she was still pretty grounded and she made she was made for TV or reality TV. I just I'm just thinking. I thought Monietta uh brought some balance and she they say she's boring and she's uh a candy bar stand but so am I, but she also bring her and he I'm willing I'm waiting to see if they got any mess or drama or they just going to lend their stability because we're going to need some people that is are likable on both ends but don't bring their level of drama mess that only is divisive because that's why I think I don't like this Courtney hoe. I've been saying the fuck why are you here? Why do you even have a storyline and what is the point? She seems to be aligned with just fuckery and mess. And she is not the a cohesive brand because she's trying to drum up her storyline in order to get screen time. And I think that is what is annoying me. She's not like Tanya from Canada. Um, I think she's brilliant. Her as a friend of the show, but she actually was dating someone long-term. She just didn't add divisiveness or fuckery. She was there for support. And I was all completely there for her and Portia partying with Bolo. I'm just saying. Then there was Latoya's issue when this was later season, uh, who Kenya Moore admitted after her marriage to um, Mark Daly was started to demise. She developed the same sex crush on Latoya, but she also brought her own mess to the situation. Um, and definitely, I don't think she needed to be a peach. Then there's Fallon, formerly Gabaldia, who was friends of the show, friends of Portia, she gets divorced from her husband because of her infidelity. Portia then gets with him and now they have one of the biggest weddings on the planet. And in this next segment, I'm going to talk about people as a lead into the next session, people that should have remained friends of the show and should have never been offered a peach. I'm going to go on record saying it. Marlo Hampton should have remained a friend of the show, did not need to be a peach. Yes, I am going on record to say that Marlo Hampton should have remained a friend of the show. There's no reason. She means well, but she's messy. Do y'all remember when she came on the scene as the girlfriend of uh, for, uh, former NFL player Charles, she paid for her way to go on the South Africa trip. And Todd Tucker said this, the thirst is really real. Nobody was really effing with her like that, um, except for Nini because she needed backup. She wanted to be accepted by this group of dynamic women because she saw this as an opportunity to live as 
falsely and as superficially as possible. And she gives so much of herself and she expects so much in return because of her life as a former um, foster kid. So she has abandonment issues, she wants acceptance um, and she'll get it any type of way as possible. But Marlo Hampton was never married. She was never a housewife. There's alleged escort, alleged, alleged prostitution. We know she, she says she was a girlfriend of a billionaire. Um, she had an allowance, but she has never been a house nothing. Because she was always treated as an accessory, easily expendable. And she, I guess, um, accumulated wealth according to it, lived a fabulous lifestyle, but she just never made it into on the other side. Last week's, um, last week's uh, uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta had her going out with another ex-con chef um, she seemed to have a genuinely good time, and I'm glad she has her own storyline that has nothing to do with Candy Burris and the tragedy of the death of her uh, nephew. But I still don't think that is enough to make her a part of this franchise. If anything, I think she's a hindrance for the ladies to truly get together because she brings more division. The only way... Yes, I do need believe that Real Housewives of Atlanta, this season, we need to see better life. We need to see some cohesiveness. But we can't rely on the divisive nature and the craziness of Marlo Hampton and that little squirrely Courtney bitch and fake Juicedore to basically bring this group together. She's too caustic. And she needs balance. And there's nobody within this group that brings the balance like the cast of old. There's just too many wild, dramatic, loose ends that they don't have that don't appear this season that and off-season uh, relationships and bonds that are strong enough like they had in seasons past. How to get back to the glory years of Real Housewives of Atlanta. You can't have too many dramatic divisive characters like people like Marlo Hampton. And that's the reason why I don't think that she should have been ever, she didn't need a peep. She should, after this season, if it doesn't pick up, she needs to go back and be relegated to a friend of the show. She does not need to be a full-time cast member because of her craziness, unless she gets some therapy and we can go on that journey with her, maybe. And if she gets into a relationship, meaningful relationship, not only male or like a life partner, but how can she actually develop, develop a meaningful relationship with these women or with other OGs? Because that's going to be creative. One of the things that actually 
tripped me out. A later clip is a dinner with Sheree sitting at the table with other OGs. And that brings me to this next session. Do y'all remember when there's been so many forgettable housewives? There was the Dijon, Dijon chick, she was from season one, who was married uh, to the professional basketball player. They were trying to hire all of the staff members for this lavish lifestyle. They get divorced not too long after that season airs. There's Lisa Wu, a designer of a failed fashion line who Tabitha's fashion line was better than that crap that she had that runway show for. Then there's Tootie, Kim Fields. I, I agree with Nene. She definitely was not housewife material. She basically, it was wild, even though she did it and it was a little bit nice, but it was also passive aggressive. She said she had shit to do first thing in the morning, but you were hired for a job, meaning if your job is on reality TV, you got to report to your boss. They don't, they're not going to basically bend to your schedule. You have to bend to their schedule because they paying you the check. And she never got that. That was the only regime moment that I basically saw in her self-deprecating Birkenstock antics. That was some diva, that was some diva shit. How are you gonna tell your boss that you're getting paid to film and be on this show, but you never want to film with them? That makes absolutely no sense to me. Then there's Eva, who I'm watching. What season is this? This is season 10. Um, she comes on. She is memorable. And I thought she had more of a storyline because I would have loved to see more of her relationship with Michael Sterling and definitely this jive with her and the divorce. I think she's on Girls Trip. I'm going to have to rewatch that because she's just fascinating. And she also gives great face because she's a, a model. Shimari, Ronnie DeVoe's, uh, yeah. Ronnie DeVoe's wife. I hope she got uh, mental health and substance abuse counseling because she had some issues. Claudia Jordan. I'm wondering why she didn't come back for another season or if it was just too much or too beyond uh, because she's since moved on. I don't think she works for Dish anymore or Ricky Smiley. And then there's Drew Sedora. I am listening to uh, Carla King's uh, podcast where Sonia Richards-Roth is on there. And she basically says that it's hard to know which Drew you're going to get. Her old husband, estranged husband now says this. She flips into an actress mode. And Sonya giving her the benefit of the doubt because I think she's just a genuinely nice person. It's like she doesn't even think that Drew realized when she's being fake. 
because Drew Sidora, who wanted to be a niece, but she had gave auntie-ish vibes, she really wanted to present this perfect uh, family life, this perfect marriage, um, and she would go to any means necessary. And she's still getting tummy tucks and lipo. And she still, like Sheree said, looks like a busted can of biscuits. Um, which is so sad. And I know it shouldn't be body shame, but I I own my busted can of biscuits. But I, I don't have a whole workout regimen or have my face of uh, some fitness plan. And I still look like a Pillsbury Doughboy. That doesn't make any sense to me. And that's why I think in the per the other only other person that I know did that was one of the OGs, line OGs of old was Fetra Park. I don't, she tried to give this crystal clear build a man, build a family life, but it was all falling apart behind the scenes. And she ended up getting divorced from her jail bait, not jail bait, but jail bait. Her criminal husband tried to present this perfect life as long as they played ball, but they got tired of faking the funk. And both of them, they ended up running to the courthouse for a divorce. She should have taken a page out of Factress page of scammery and just own the her ish, and she's not going to produce her life for a reality TV, and is it's even faker than reality TV. You don't get points with that, and you don't get a fan in me because even when you're more fake than the fake TV, I ain't got time for it. So I'm going to wrap this up because I think I've been fussing about Real Housewives of Atlanta uh, for a minute. And this episode is just getting longer. So with that said, I am I am going to need to basically probably say something sacrilegious. Um, because I think a lot of people have not reacted well to the complete reboot of Real Housewives of New York. I'm trying to keep my dog from um, attacking me for my food while I'm sitting here. <laughs> so if you hear snapping, I apologize. Or you hear me talk to Ethel, I apologize too. But I need substance to get through this too. And this is just me and my opinion. I am not on the casting for Real Housewives of Atlanta. I am more interested in the previous season. I'm rewatching. I rewatched season one. And then I rewatched season two. And I was just shocked how poor Nene Leak's dentation was, how plastic Kim's wigs look how big of trash her kids are and they were baby kids. And um, in a lot of respects, I was kind of appalled how 
fake charade is. And then I listened to um, Carlos King's podcast today, and he was interviewing um, Sonia Richards, and I found her answers were compelling. She was asked, who should they bring back for a new season? She included herself. She said Marlo and Sheree. And that's and then Phaedra, but then they would have to replace Candy because they won't probably won't film together. And right there, I it I stopped listening because I'm a Candy Burns fan. Stan. I love her music, The Escape and Beyond. I even like that stupid Tardy for the party. But I think she's good at collecting checks outside of the show with her entrepreneurial spirit and hustle unless she is going to just focus on the music and bring escapes nonsense because that's good reality TV fodder. I think we've run out of perspective. And what I see what works is when they you can see their kids growing up and some of their other perspectives, her relationship with Todd, they're married, it's run its course, they're successful. Unless they're getting ready to split up, I don't really want to hear anything else from them. I'm tired of her a mother, and I know and she when you criticize Mama Joyce, it's considered disrespectful, but I'm not that's not my mama. And this lady is awful and she is disrespectful. And we're tired of hearing we're tired of seeing that particular dysfunction. But if they're rebooting OLG or Blaze, I would be with that. I would also like to see, because the kids look so much like either one, both of them, are they talented? What are they doing? What other things, you know, what is their perspective as kids of millennials? We would like to see that or some other real, but not some awful-ish that Mama Joyce and her Eva, but mean grandmama sisters bring. I don't know. So I think if Sonya were brought back, they need to drop Drew because I think she's too fake for the show. There are other people as that are on their hustle, that are doing great things, that may or may not be married. At least they're in a relationship, which Marho is not. I think they can bring a brand new perspective to the show and we don't need the OGs, not Nene, not even Cynthia, Portia. We need the youth and the connection of a group, a, a fresh group of women, but we don't need the same storylines, the same drama. That formula worked back in between 2008, up until about 2011, 2012, but we're good because we need something new. I even didn't mention Kenya Moore. Should she be bought back? I'm not sure unless they're going, unless we're going to see, again, her daughter, Brooklyn, a new generation of twirlers, but not as awful as Kim Zosiak's bratty ass kids. I, I'm good with that. I just, I just think we need a new, fresher perspective, something after post-pandemic and people that are still on their grind and are being successful. Um, 
it comes with mass and it comes with drama. We're just tired of these same storylines. And I know people are invested in the OGs, but some of these OGs, I think their time on the show has come to an end and they need to be put on permanent pause. Who do you agree? Do you reboot or two, they stay? I'm okay. I'm okay with a complete revitalization. Uh, Sonia Richardson Ross needs to continue with the show, but everybody else needs to be replaced. That's just my 20, 50 cents worth. I'm watching the last miss. I've missed the last couple of episodes of Bling Empire on Netflix, and it's about Uber rich Asians, oh, Asian money, some new Asian money, but there's a lot of waste and probably some drip going on, but there looks to be an amazing amount of great food, which I think is dope. In this episode, I just re-watched Kevin, who was actually, who's Korean-American, and he was adopted as a, maybe as an infant, uh, and lived in a white family in upstate New York or Pennsylvania somewhere. And he's reconnecting with the Asian community out in LA because he's actually a model. He's actually very good looking, tall, handsome. And as he's discovering his Asian roots, he's actually becoming more well-rounded. He gets sober. And I think what's compelling about his story, for example, he goes back to his white family's car dealership in New Pennsylvania, buys a Tesla as a symbol of his overcoming as a present to himself. Then 10 minutes later crashes. It is unreal. He and his bromance came, who it looks like he did have a surgery to un-Asian his eyes, but I didn't take because he still has no eyebrows and he still has a significant amount of hooding. But he wants to get into the modeling game. Oh, Lim, I just realized one of these chicks was on Dancing with the Stars and she actually competed against Kenya Moore. I'm going to have to watch some clips on that. But anyways, another one of my reality TV um, personalities that I kind of follow. And, but what is compelling about these Asians, especially Karen, but in general, there's a naivete and innocence about him. And he is rediscovering how to build his own presence and his own wealth about while being around these wildly rich Asian people, which is wild to me. But I think he's going to make it one brick at a time. Very American, but his stubbornness and tenacity is very uh, Korean um, and his culture. And wouldn't it be wild if he discovers that his family is super duper wealthy and they basically take him back and he inherits a whole bunch of stuff. I think that's what's going to end up happening. Either one of these old Asians going to die and leave him a whole bunch of money or he's going to hit it big or into something that's going to be really dope. But in the meantime, he's kind of like one of the the poor friends hangers on um, and they let and will give him gifts and stuff, not because they feel sorry for him, because generally they like being around him because he's just that charismatic, which is pretty dope. 
they have stuff like unboxing. This one Twiggy uh, Chinese girl uh, who eats a so one soybean every two days. She actually has Instagram followers that people follow her as she goes live to unbox all of these multiple thousands of dollars worth of uh, brands and commerce. It's just ridiculous. And it's so gaudy and it's so over the top. But I'm here for it because I like blingy stuff. I like shiny stuff. So watching them enjoy it, I can't afford it. But watching them and then commenting on it is pretty dope. And that's it for this episode of Tenfro is Reading. You know, I talked cash-ish all last year. I hope the listening audience will continue to enjoy my opinion and not so subtle shade. I mean, I'm 2,000 listeners per episode in, so go run tell that haters. I may take it on the road if I get hint hint sponsorship. Navigate to dalesangelsinc.blog for swag and extended podcast notes. Don't forget to hit like or leave a five-star review. It gets me on top of the algorithms and it may just get you on my show. 2023's motto is boss up and get the bag. And as always, tell a friend and thank you for listening. The best data warehouse isn't a warehouse at all. It's a data lake house. Because everything you can do with a data warehouse, you can do better with a data lake house. How about SQL analytics with 12 times better price performance than a data warehouse? Streaming data and ETL? Those come standard. Machine learning? Yes. Governance, data sharing, predictive analytics? They all work better on Lakehouse. See everything Lakehouse can do for you. Visit Databricks.com today. More is more at Pandora Jewelry, where you'll find beautiful hand-finished pieces perfect for creating stacks of self-expression. Collect charms, stack bracelets, and layer necklaces to design a look that's uniquely you. Start with the piece you love, then stack and style it your way and show the world something about you. Shop Pandora Jewelry now. Shop Pandora Jewelry at St. John Town Center, Jacksonville. 